All right, team. Uh, just give me a second. I can hear some background noise, but here I am. Awesome. So just wanted to, first of all, welcome to the Rabbit Show, guys. Uh, such a pleasure. I'm super excited to host two of the leaders, Kip Hugo, Program Director, IBM, and Ryan Yakil, Product Evangelist, Data Band, and IBM Company. Today, we'll be discussing data observability, how more data observability leads to better governance, and much more. Just wanted to give a quick bio about uh, and background about our. Just give me a second. Yeah, so sorry about this. I was hearing some background noise, but uh, I'm back here again. Uh, so uh, a little about Kip Hugo. Uh, He's the program director, like I mentioned, at IBM Kip is a program director of product marketing at IBM. Kip is responsible for articulating the point of view and value proposition of IBM's data-driven technologies uh, that delight uh, customers and deliver business outcomes. In this role, Kip's uh, focus is on helping clients modernize their data management by leveraging a uh, data fabric architecture. A little about our second guest, Ryan Yekil, uh, He's the product evangelist at DataBand, an IBM company. Uh, Ryan comes from a background rooted in product marketing and innovative startups. He started his career in the data and software testing space, working for CGI and Macy's. However, he quickly uh, entered the startup uh, world and hasn't looked back. Joining uh, Before joining DataBand and IBM company, Ryan had successfully built marketing programs for startups over the last few decades. Uh, includes uh, brands like QS Symphony, Tricentis, and Key Factor. Uh, all right, I already see a few of the folks uh, putting in hashtags data band, and that's right. Uh, we're giving, IB, uh, you know, data band has been uh, super awesome to do a very cool Nintendo give, Switch giveaway. So what you need to do is obviously register to the link that you see in the description and type in hashtag data band in the chat. Uh, but uh, also let us know where you're joining from so uh, and bring on any questions for our uh, guest today because we'll be covering a good ground around data observability about how more uh, observability leads to better governance and much more. So yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, all right, uh, I think uh, without any further ado, it's time for us to bring up our guests here. So let's do it. Uh, hey, Ryan. Hey, Cape. Welcome to the Rabbit Show. Such a pleasure to have you both here. Hey, hey Rabbit. It is a pleasure to to be here as well. What's going on, man? Good to, good to talk to you. I see a lot of data band love in the, the comments there. So that makes us uh, feel excited about the chat we're going to have today. Okay. That's uh, pretty cool. And uh, I'm sure the audience might have some uh, interesting questions for you around data observability, around data governance. So audience, feel free to bring them up here because Ryan is excited. Kev is excited to obviously answer those for you guys. I see some uh, uh, someone uh, named as LinkedIn user. Uh, you can know uh, Ryan from 
pricing this hey ryan so I'm a popular person I'm, you know i guess people follow me to different companies i guess but yeah i used to work at tricentis great great company uh in the test automation space even though we're talking about data today they're a great company in test automation so if you need some of that stuff check them out awesome all right uh so obviously for our audience uh i'm sure uh people would love to learn a little more about uh, you both uh so how about Introducing yourself and also if you can tell us a little about how DataBand was founded and now it is a part of IBM. So we would also love to learn a little about that. Um, I'm happy to kick us off and then I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Ryan who will provide the context around DataBand. So as you've heard, my name is Kip Hiego. Uh, I lead product marketing for IBM in the data and AI space, uh, very specifically around a um, data architectures and data fabric. So the idea is how, how do we help our clients um, simplify data consumption within the organization so that they are spending more time using that data to drive the business rather than finding the data, cleaning the data and all that, you know, all those activities around data. So that's the role that I play. And uh, Ryan is my partner in, client, in crime uh, and uh, clearly a good partner in crime, just seeing all the love for, for Ryan. So Ryan, mm -hmm. I'll it over to you and, uh, you can introduce yourself, although you don't need any introduction, it seems. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, no, I'm Ryan. So, you know, I, I came to, to, I started out in DataBand back in January of last year, came over here just because it was uh, a very exciting space to, to be a part of. Like like uh, Rabbit was saying, um, kind of a serial startup junkie. Um, and mm -hmm. so uh, I only go to places and companies I know that are disrupting the space. So Tricentis being one of those. Key Factor being another one. QA Symphony was a company I was a part of before back in 2014. So uh, DataBand, definitely uh, a, a company in the observability space, which we're going to be talking about today, uh, which really attracted me to, to be a part of this company. So obviously, we got bought by IBM, which is super exciting as well. And uh, we're here to talk to you about uh, kind of how governance and observability play together today. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. Thanks for those introductions. Obviously, Ryan, I have a question for you around, uh, and I'm sure the audience is kind of also curious about this. When we talk about data observability, first thing, let's start with learning what is the definition of data observability and where did it come from? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question. Obviously, I start from uh, start from a common knowledge here, so. I know that probably people have heard of a of data observability before, or at least a term observability. It's actually a hard word to right. say if you uh, if you think about it. Like I think I stumble over mm -hmm. saying observability a lot. Uh, I also mumble, so my wife gets on to me about that. But kind of how it all got started um, really comes from a growth out of application performance monitoring, which is traditionally viewed as enterprise observability, right? Full stack observability, things like that. And Rev, if you can pull up the, the quick slide right here uh, from Gartner, yep. I'll, I'll kind of talk through that. Um, so you see like where observability is, data observability is in this area that you see here, you see that's in this trigger innovation category. And this is from the hype cycle for, for data management. Um, and the reason why it's in this trigger category is because it's an area where if you look at the way where observability is on uh, cloud operations on another hype cycle that, that we have, you'll notice that it's actually at the very top. And so what that tells you is that there, there is this maturity around tools like Instana or New Relic or Datadog, things like that, Dynatrace, things like that, that are really around mm -hmm. looking at the performance of your applications in production or microservices or cloud infrastructure, things like that, right? Well, 
what's happened basically is that you've had uh, the reason why Gartner is recognizing this as this trigger trigger category, so to say, um, innovation category is because uh, a lot of those software engineering teams that and, and, and leaders in software engineering, they're very familiar with CI CD processes, DevOps processes, uh, using Python code and Scala and PySpark and all these things that, are, that they use to really build their software, modern software application development. Well, a new space has popped up, which is data engineering and data platforming. And mm -hmm. so you see a lot of them uh, moving over to become data engineering teams. But what's going on is the same problems that you're seeing with that you saw with software quality and software reliability and software bugs, things like that. Now that's happening to the data space. Now you have data quality, data reliability, data bugs are happening. And there wasn't really a, something there to really help out. And so that's where data observability comes in. That's where you, you look at and go, how can we put something in place? It's basically like a bunch of cameras inside of our data pipelines that allow us as data engineers to move really fast, but alert us right away when something goes on. So that's how data observability comes in. More of like a, a nice, clean definition. We've got our, one of our uh, definitions as well. Uh, if you just go to databand.ai and look at kind of what we say, but it's Blake is basically a blanket term for understanding the health and state of your data uh, within the systems you have. So you have all these activities and technologies, when, but when you combine them, you have to be able to understand how to identify what the problem is, troubleshoot it and resolve these issues in real time. Very similar to application performance monitoring goes on as well. So Hopefully that's a good definition of data, data observability. No, oh, yeah, hundred percent, Brian. I think uh, that kind of clarifies a lot of uh, uh, you know for me as well. Where I hear a lot, a lot of you know definitions around data observability, but but this was kind of uh, real uh, you know uh, good insights there. So thanks for that, Brian. Also, quickly, you know, I actually wanted to pull something. Uh, a comment from the audience, actually one from YouTube that I see. Uh, what is the best way to start a career in data observability? What do you guys think? Well, I would say like starting a career in data observability really isn't, it's not really a career. So you'd want to yeah. start a career in data engineering or data science or data platform. And this is actually, a, this kind of leads into a little bit of a next slide. And Kip, I know we're going to get to you in a minute. I feel like I've been talking this entire time. I told you <laughs> this was going to happen, man. I told you, if you if you, if you you get me on a uh, presentation, <laughs> I'm going to start talking. You got to tell me to shut up. Um, no, no worries. No worries so, so, so this, but this piggybacks off the question that somebody had, which is the best way to start, you know, your, your career in data observability. Really, it's a career in data engineering. And this is basically what you, people will sell you if they're in data engineering today. They'll say, they may say something like, well, I already have data monitoring in place. Why do I need data observability? Well, it really comes down to if you look at what's all going on in the mm. landscape of your data. And this is actually a, a really cool uh, 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 graphic that was done by uh, one of our, our tech leaders over at IBM. So I basically said this and they drew this, which was this is not my drawing. So this is way better drawing than I could ever do. Mm -hmm. uh, my six year old daughter could do a better drawing than I can. Uh, but basically what's going on here is it's, it's basically showing you all the different complexities that could go on and where monitoring isn't really a sufficient uh, area to, to really, it doesn't it only goes to a certain point. So whereas you have all these data producers, you have got APIs, you've got CSV files, you've got all these different types of files and, and data parts that are coming into a lake. Maybe it gets transformed and moves into a warehouse. 
all of those issues that are going on, if you don't know about them as they're in motion, then the monitoring or alerting happens too far to the right. And so what we want to be able to do in observability and in, in, uh, solutions out there, not just data bin, what we're trying to do is shift left this data quality and data reliability problem. So you're able to detect and, 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 and look at these things as they're in motion and as they're going on. So you can reduce things like mean time to detection and mean time to resolution around data quality issues like uh, process quality that's never kicked off or a pipeline that failed or a null record or a schema change. All that gets into seeing how they, they change, which is really monitoring is this limited view. You understand kind of what happened, a little bit of an isolated system. You have the static detection, it's very reactive. Where observability is, it's not just the pipeline failed. It's like, okay, beyond the pipeline failing or beyond hmm. something failing or there's an issue going on, what's really, what's the holistic view of that? That's where it gets into impact analysis and data lineage or why did this actually happen? What are the dependent systems that are on this? And then it's more of a proactive approach that allows the engineering team and platform team to learn more about how these pipelines and, and data flows are actually interoperating so they can fix them better. So that's a little bit of an explanation yep. for another person asked about uh, how you start a career in that, but I really started a career in engineering or platforming and observability is just a tool that you have to make sure you're constantly monitoring the health of your data because that data yep. eventually gets to consumer and you don't want that to be incorrect. Okay, yeah, pretty cool explanation there, Ryan. One question that I have for you, Kip, is around the data governance. How right. do you define data governance and how has it evolved and what's the connecting point with data observability? Yeah, in fact, I think as, as Ryan was walking through the, the meantime to discovery, meantime to resolution, I think it begins to, you begin to see the connection between data governance and data observability. So, so data governance, think of it as a framework. It promotes the availability, quality, and the security of an organization's data through different policies mm. and, and standards, right? So uh, this framework includes people's processes and technologies. And the end objective is how do we deliver reliable and trustworthy data to data consumers within the organization so that they can do whatever they need to do, right? You know, drive business outcomes, maximize the value chain. Um, they, they are dependent and it's all contingent on this data. So a, a simple mm. summary or framework to think about this process or the structure is um, data governance helps you in terms of knowing your data. So just understanding the meaning, like the, the, the business terms, the glossary, glossaries associated with the, you know, your organization, how it's used and, and policies around that. Uh, governance is about uh, trusting your data. Uh, so having confidence in, and here's a keyword that you'll, you'll hear over and over, quality of the data. What's the source? What's mm. the point? How usable is this data? Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you may need provenance of the data so that you can actually use it. And that's where you begin to see that intersection with what Ryan was talking about in terms of um, the quality aspect of the data and where data observability really complements data governance or, or perhaps vice versa. Data governance also has to deal with the protection of your data. So adherence to regulatory compliance, um, really the organization's properly stewarding the data that, that they have. So whenever we give our data to different organizations as a consumer, as a customer, we are hoping, and not hoping, we are trusting that that organization will safeguard that data. And that, that's part of governance, ensuring that people who are using data within the organization have the appropriate um, authority to, to utilize it. And, and finally, data governance is actually about using data. I think there can be that notion out there that data governance is about you know, locking data, saying no to the utilization of data. But what it really is about is once you've established processes around how to properly govern this data, then the next thing mm -hmm. 
you as an organization is make it available to data consumers and in fact make data consume make data consumption simpler and easier that way you have faster time to value with the different products or solutions that are relying on this data and so data data observability really helps with that dynamic aspect of the data movement um so to, to ryan's point to ensure that you're catching some of those issues ahead of time uh that way it doesn't get into the, you know the, the, the pipelines and down you know downstream into the data user so that that really is uh, a summation, if you will, of, of data governance and just that interplay with, with data observability. Okay, those yeah, pretty cool uh, insights there, Kip. Uh, so thanks for sharing. I I see a few questions obviously coming in and oh, George, see George asking, yeah. my, my, my boy, my boy George, what's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> Good, so, glad you could join us. I saw him a yeah. swag bag. I got him a swag bag. I, oh I, wow, very cool. Yeah, George is out there. He's into data governance, and uh, that's why he's uh, keen on uh, a few questions around this. But let's take this one from him. When should data observability be tackled? Which is the best timing for that? Yeah, so I think that, so if you go to slide six, and George, you set us up here. We didn't tell you to say this, slot, this, this uh, <laughs> thing here. Um, so this may answer some of your questions about when or why, or maybe some, you know, in, uh, compelling events or whatever, but before I get to what's going on here, let me, let me kind of explain, um, make a connection to security, uh, which is a space I was in, uh, my, at my last job. So at my last job, we had, I was at a company called key factor and they do PKI as a service. So public key infrastructure as a service or they do what's called certificate management. So if you think about all your TLS and SSL certificates that are out there, uh, what they were doing was they were managing all of these certificates and keys, SSH keys, things like that, so that you knew, you knew where these things were, so you could either auto renew them or provision them to certain devices, right? The reason why I say all that is because most of the time, when a company decides they need to buy something from key factor, like a certificate management solution or peak as a service, mm -hmm. they actually don't know when only when they know when is when something bad happens. <laughs> so the most right. common thing that we heard from a compelling event that we would get most common thing we heard constantly was either two, one or two things. It was, Hey, uh, we had a certificate outage and this got all the way up to our CEO or executive. And they said, why the heck was there an outage? So that's number mm -hmm. one. And they go, oh, it's a rogue certificate. Well, we got to get that under control. We can't have downtime, right? And the other one it was around expertise. So if you had a PKI expert that left and they didn't have that, they needed something to like, actually do that. So this is kind of the same thing with data observability. A lot of times people come to us, they, they're, they're, they're almost anticipating a problem that they can't really articulate. So a lot of times they'll be talking about data quality, data reliability, but a lot of times they can, they'll also talk about a particular event. So they'll say something like, we didn't know a pipeline was down until a week later. We didn't know that we mm. had a process that was broke, you know, for hours on time. We didn't realize that a data, a, a piece of data didn't get and didn't meet their SLA until we were in breach of that SLA. So there's a lot of these compelling events that happen that really get to the when to look at data observability. But to answer your question a little bit further, really when it comes to getting to this proactive measure, this is where our, our point of view kind of comes in, which is like, what can you start with? The first thing you wanna do with is really look at how can we set up pipeline execution 
So that means how can we tie into all the different processes and pipelines? If you have Airflow, you have DBT, you have uh, Spark running, all these different things are going on within your, your process or pipelines. Yes, set up to make sure it's moving. Like that's number one. Number two is a latency. That's like around, okay, even if it's moving, how can we make sure that it's arriving on time? We're hitting, we're hitting the, the, the uh, threshold of going, hey, we, we tell you that the pipeline should be complete in two minutes. And if it goes mm. past that, how can we alert you on that? Structure and content is really around schema and the actual data itself. Are things changing within that? And the last one is like, did the data get to the actual location around lineage? And then also what impacts does it have uh, downstream? So if you have a pipeline or data problem that's going on and impacts downstream, you want to be able to know that right away and be able to alert people around those issues. So this is kind of what we, we talk to customers a lot about, but it really, getting back to your question, George, a lot of times people come to us at step one, because that's like their first step in maturity in their data observability journey. Okay. Yeah. I think Ryan, the, that's a very good, uh, you know, explanation. And uh, I'm sure George is happy with the answer there. <laughs> so uh, thanks for that. Uh, but also since you spoke a little about, you know, the, the data quality and the age, uh, my next question to both of you is, how does data observability play into these ideas of data quality, process quality, lineage, and impact analysis? Uh, and uh, how how does it all work? So, would love yeah. to learn a little about from you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll give uh, Ryan a breathe. I'll, I'll, I'll take a quick stab at this as he yeah. catches his breath. Drink <laughs> some water, man. But 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 be be ready because uh, I I know he has. Uh, very insightful things to say about this. Uh, so I'll kick us off by saying, uh, from a data governance perspective, data quality it really is a foundation of business-ready data, right? So I'll, I'll keep going back. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is to get data that your consumer, data consumers can use easily and quickly. Uh, but at, at, the, at the center of that, the, the questions that arise, you know, like whether it's a provenance question, is uh, can we have confidence in this data? Um, mm. can, we, can, can do we know? And this is where lineage comes in, right? And, and, and that just that the audit, the audit trail of the data through the pipeline. Who has touched it? What are the impacts of it? And and ultimately, uh, how usable is this data? And so data that that from a data quality perspective, um, that is what we're thinking about in terms of governance. And and that's and those are some of the questions that data observability begins to answer for us. Going back to mm. identifying those issues while the data is in motion. Because I think one of the things that you'll see in many organizations is, is, is when the data is at rest that you're performing these analyses to identify these issues. Uh, but one of, the, one of the challenges with that is what happens if that data moves downstream? Data observance, data observability, excuse me, Ryan, it is a mouthful. <laughs> data observability helps in terms of identifying those issues upstream and ensuring that the, the remedies are applied such that the end consumers are dealing with uh, again, good usable data, uh, and I think I'll use that mm -hmm. word, right? Garbage in, garbage out, and, and you're really trying to eliminate that. Um, and, and again, back to time to value. How quickly can we get our data to be usable within an organization so that is driving insights for us? And you know, and also I think from a data engineer's perspective, how how do you ensure that they're doing higher level activities, right? Move them away from the data cleansing and things of that nature to uh, other activities that don't tie up the time. Um, I think there's a test. Mm -hmm out there that data engineers spend up to two days just in terms of data prep, uh, perspective. So data observability is actually helping in remedy that and, and, and remedy that uh, in higher up in the, in, in the process. Uh, Ryan, I, th I think you've had some time to breathe. Uh, do you wanna 
chime in on, on just add your thoughts to, to, to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th that's where uh, a lot this gets back to a little bit of the shift left model that we I spoke about earlier, which was when, when and Kip's right when he talks about kind of this data in motion versus data at rest. And this is where observability kind of is something that is still maturing in its market understanding and awareness. Because, like I said, like, like Kip and I will talk about so many things that governance talks about, like quality and lineage and reliability. And even right. in even in data testing, for example, they all a lot of these words are used uh, interchangeably. And so, if you talk about data quality or data reliability, you may hear something completely different from different uh, companies that are out there. Where observability is is really tying into that whole sphere is we're trying to give you know, automatic detection and automatic. Uh, suggestions for resolution as the data is moving in your current process, right? There's this, right. there's this analogy that this may or may not work. Hopefully this will work. Hopefully you got a lot of good like Formula One racer, like uh, Formula One uh, fans out there. I've never been to a Formula One um, event, but I keep hearing awesome things about it. I hear there's like a really cool Netflix series on it. I gotta, I gotta get into it. Anyway, so in Formula One, but what's the whole goal of Formula One? You're trying to win the race. Duh. Okay, great, Ryan. But what are you trying mm -hmm. to do? You're trying to drive the car as fast as you can around the track and not crash and reach the finish line. <laughs> okay. Well, did you know, and I didn't know this for a while, that a Formula One car has like basically hundreds of sensors that's in the car that's being radioed back to the driver and also the pit crew to let them know, hey, you need to slow down or go faster. Hey, your tire's lower. You need to you need to come in to change your tire. Hey, there's something wrong with this with this with the engine. Hey, you need to come in for gas. Hey, so what it's doing is giving you cues around the quality and reliability mm -hmm. of the of the car as it's still driving. So without that knowledge, without those sensors that are going on, you're just going to drive the car as fast as you can, but you're may end up you crash or you may end up you run out of gas or you blow a tire. So what observability is doing around this quality lineage uh, reliability is that it's giving you those those hundreds and hundreds of sensors as your data is in motion. That's not going to slow down the car, but will tell, hey, the team, the data team or the platform team, hey, there's a problem. We just found out a problem here. There's an issue. You got to you got to address it. This is a critical problem. If you do not fix this, you're going to have downstream impacts. And like a car, you're going to end up crashing the car. You know, so so that's a good way to kind of understand it from an analogy perspective as well. And then the other part is a lot of times when we talk about uh, lineage, people get hung up on uh, this idea of lineage. Observability is really uh, lineage, not on the business technical sense, but on the impact analysis sense. And so when we provide observability or, 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 or sorry, lineage solutions or lineage functionality, a lot of mm -hmm. it is different from traditional lineage tools that are out there. We're trying to pinpoint and show you exactly where the downstream or upstream impacts could be. Uh, but we're not doing it in a way for business modeling. We're doing it as a way to say, hey, these were impacted because of this breach. And you can quantify that severity of the impact and understand that this is something we got to look out for in the future. Yeah, I think, Ryan, uh, you you brought, brought that analogy very well in terms of, you know, the F1 race. And I'm sure you should be watching the Netflix series as well. I've seen it. It's wonderful. I'm sure it will get your mind racing to another level about observability. And you might find more ways to, you know, connect it with data observability. But uh, fantastic one there. 
One, one thing I did want to do, make Revit is because I yeah. think that, so Ruben asked a question and then yeah. George asked a question as well around governance. And and let me just explain this. The reason why we're, we, 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 we had this topic around uh, observability or governance, um, the reason why we're having this discussion is because people that we talk to today maybe from the governance team that's hearing about observability and they're mm. they're trying to figure out how does this play into governance right Kip, Kip exactly. gave a really good explanation and a really good uh overview of kind of how governance and observability are kind of coming together but really what's going on is that you have governance it's a well-defined discipline that's been around for a while now but now observability is being looked at as possibly something that could be factored into the overall governance story. And so uh, I know that uh, George was asking a question or mentioned a question around like, who are you actually talking to? The governance team, the CDO team, data stewards. Most of the time when right. we talk to, to, to companies, it's primarily the data engineering team and the platform team. That's primarily what we're dealing with in the science team. However, we do have other people that come to us that have governance titles. And the reason why they're bringing it too, because it has that connection back to quality. And has a connection back to reliability, but it's not the same reliability and quality that they've traditionally known of. It's a more of this in motion alerting that's going on, a more incident management that they're hearing this from different teams and they're investigating. Only well, looking to see what this observability thing really is. Yeah. So, I just want to quickly answer some of those questions that, that came up there. Yeah, and you might just chime in very quickly, and then we'll get back to the questions. Yep. And we will be touching on this actually shortly. The latter questions is. Um, incidentally, the, the Gartner released its, its magic quadrant on um, on data quality, and you, you will see that when they talk about the critical capabilities of data quality, um, capabilities such as monitoring and detection, uh, automation and augmentation are mentioned, and, and those again are coming. If you think about them, those are traditional data observability. So I think there's an acknowledgement in the industry that data observability suddenly undergirds or fortifies the data governance. Um, function and it's really a necessity um, and, and, and i know repeat, there's a lot of repetition here but i think it's a very important part that proactive alerting the proactive notification that proactive resolution or remediation of issues really helps from a governance perspective with the downstream activities so i just wanted to throw that in um, as well yeah no i think those are great points uh, and you know just a related question that i had uh capabilities around uh when we talk more about you know the role of data governance and data observability in an organization mm -hmm. uh how does the information architecture looks like there in uh you know just wanted to learn a little more about the information architecture to be honest yeah from from, a, from an information architectural perspective i think there, there are a number of things to think about um and let's put on the hat of of a cdo and george uh, i think yep. george asked this question this this might begin to touch on some of the questions that you have um, the thought that, that I think the, the primary objective of that um, CDO or data leader, any data leader for that matter, is how do I simplify the movement of data and migration of data and get it to my end users as quickly and as simply as possible, um, while at the same time adhering to regulatory compliances, whatever regulatory issues that I need to. And so I think the first thing that one of the things that data, that data governance helps with or that data governance looks at on this uh, impact from that observability is just the dynamic nature of regulatory compliance. So I think we are all familiar with GDPR. And since then, whether it's CCPA, uh, there are all these 
um, regulations that are coming out in terms that impact the governance of the data. Uh, even and not even just from a data governance perspective, but even more specifically from an AI governance perspective, which ties back. Right. Right. So whether it's the in 2022, I think the Singapore AI Verify is, is an issue, is, is, a, is a law that's coming out. There's the Canada Bill C27. Even the U.S. has an AI Bill of Rights that organizations need to be thinking about. So from, from, a, from an overall um, information architecture perspective, the question becomes how are organizations dynamically evolving with that and embedding that into the mm. government? process so that they are not caught off guard, right? And, and this is where the automation and the integration, the, the automation that I mentioned, automation and augmentation becomes key. And that's where data observability and data governance can't, you know, work together to ensure that that's happening. Um, the, the other thing in terms of um, from an information architecture I'll, I'll talk about is think of the changing environments that organizations are dealing with. Multi-cloud uh, or hybrid environments is something that's a reality for most organizations. And what that means is you now have data strewn across not just different uh, environments or landscapes, uh, data estates, excuse me, but you're also dealing with different jurisdictions. So how do you then govern data within that context? Um, and, and this is where we talk about really the centralization of the data intelligence so that you do not say that you need to centralize your data in order to govern it, but rather centralize the management or the intelligence of that data so that you can continue to effect the governance across that distributed landscape without necessarily relying on different point solutions or you know, this huge movement of data. And again, that is, that, that's another area where data observability complements uh, that data governance, especially where, again, back to that, where that movement of data is happening cross-border. Mm. And as I said, I, and, and, and I know I'm gonna be a broken record by the end of the, by the time this is done, those are issues that are raised early in the process, get ensure resolution, well before this data gets you know uh, pushed in downstream so those are some of the information architecture considerations from a governance perspective that impact or have um, complementary components coming in from uh, data observability okay yeah pretty cool Ryan. yeah and just to piggyback off what uh kip said um when we talk so when it gets to a lot of the the governance stuff that that uh, Kip was talking about in different different environments, multi cloud, hybrids, etc. What we deal with a lot from our perspective is customers are on a cloud journey, and right. so for example, like a lot of times we'll be talking to customers that like maybe let's say they have uh, a version of Apache Airflow that is uh, on uh, kind of behind their own firewall, but they want to move to something like Google Cloud Composer, or they want to. Uh, use more of a managed service on Airflow, and they want to put all their new production uh, environments on Airflow. Well, what we're able to do is during that process to to make sure that their movement to the cloud or movement to uh, these different workloads that are in the cloud is be able to monitor any new workload that gets on there. And so we do with a lot mm -hmm. of like data migration use cases, specifically on the data pipeline area, where we can say, okay, every single net new thing you're putting online, attach it in an observability solution, so that you're already you're already starting the hygiene to monitor and observe these things as they get added more and more into production. Because most of our customers, you know, we we're we're not a uh, testing solution; we're an observability solution. So most of our customers that are out there using it, it's predominantly being used in uh, production environments and predominantly in pr product, uh, they're delivering more data products uh, versus yep. let's say something like uh, 
um, you know, HubSpot dashboard. We're not going to play in a lot of those areas. We play in a lot of the more complex organizations that are moving moving to the cloud and, and having more of a uh, product. Uh, they're supporting more of like a data product um, as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those are great insights. So one logistical question I've uh, seen in the comments is, uh, is the pre uh, BBT presentation going to be shared? Uh, Kip, Ryan, uh, can we share the yeah, we can share. This, I can show you the whole presentation. This, these are some slides, so I can show you the whole presentation if uh, yeah. you want. So, definitely. okay, yeah, I can actually put it out on my LinkedIn post and tag you guys, uh, those who can, who would want to, you know, have a look, uh, you, and also put it on the website if you guys want okay. to download it. So that's there. Uh, okay, let's take one quick question here, which is kind of the favorite question for the audience. It looks like so. Uh, you're from Manisha. How is data monitoring different from data observability? Interesting question. So I answered that question at the very beginning, um, mm. but let me give you a quick flyover of it just so that you can see it. So you can go ahead and share that slide there. So essentially yeah. monitoring is in a limited view of what's going on in the system. So if you just say, hey, we had an alert uh, around a service that's down, that would be monitoring. But if you were to say, hey, we had an alert that service is down, here's the root cause, here's the impact of the dependencies on that service, here's where you go to fix it, that's more observability. So monitoring is more of a, uh, and, and a lot of times people will say, hey, we've built some lightweight monitoring solution, but it doesn't go deep enough. We don't really know the what, where, and why, we just know the what happened, but we know how to, how to impact dependent systems, uh, it's not doing things like using ML anomaly detection. It's more static alerting, uh, and it's not dynamic when it comes to being able to proactively fix these things before it gets to a resting state. So that would be a quick overview of it. I know I mentioned it earlier. Yep. You can go back and watch. Uh, I know this will be live or uh, on replay afterwards. Yeah, and exactly. I'll be sharing those slides so you guys can actually have a look at it uh, much deeper. Uh, all right, uh, one last question here from audience that I wanted to pick was just from Christine. Would you say an ideal situation would be to develop a data and AI strategy that conforms to all technological concerns that data engineers have in an organization? This is a very broad question, though, but still, do you want to pick it up, Kip? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll take a stab. And um, yes, this this is actually something that we see with many of our clients. And, and one, of, one of the starting points uh, and Christine, I, I hope I get to the heart of the question is actually, even before I talk about a data strategy, is aligning that data strategy to the overall business uh, strategy. Because they're very often that you can have data strategies that do, that focus on data, data for the sake of data projects without that overall mm -hmm. business alignment, right? And so what, what, what are we doing in terms of driving that, uh, driving up towards that business objective? And then uh, the, the simple answer to your question would be yes. Uh, how how do we think through a strategy that is, and I know this is a term that people don't like, but I will use it, that, that is future-proofing. Because one of the things that you want to avoid is a scenario where in this constant perpetual modernization perspective, uh, modernization phase, um, instead with a, an appropriate data strategy, you're able to bring in composable and modular services and solutions that can solve mm. for that overall business objective, that incorporate, incorporate the important aspects whether it's governance, whether it's integration, whether it's data observability, those are all built into that data strategy and allow for evolution as 
the organization changes as well as the environment within that organization changes, right? So um, a holistic uh, data strategy is certainly something, yes, that I would say yes. Uh, and that would also um, capture right, the, the, the concerns that the data engineers have. And the other thing I'll say is what it, I think it also does is enables your, your, your CDO, your CIO, your CTO to actually come together and are working from the same page. And I think that uh, ultimately does help with the end user, which is the data consumers within the organization. So um, I, I believe somewhere in there, Christine, I, I have answered your question, but uh, if you have additional questions, please please uh, send them our way. And, and Ryan, let me give you an opportunity to to chime in if I don't know if you have something you wanted to add to that. No, you nailed it, man. Totally nailed it. You know, I don't think I, you only hear me out my my take on this, you know. Which I think it's <laughs> All right. Uh thanks for that, Cape. Uh and good question, Christine, there. Uh also I'm sure you know people want to learn a little about data band as well. So can you tell us more about databand.ai in which is now an IBM company and how is it helping the modern data team and data engineers to get to next level? Yeah, so I mean, it's a little bit of, like a little selfish plug, obviously. But uh, so, DataBand, we're we're cloud first data observability solution. Obviously, now an IBM company, we're a part of IBM Data Fabric. And one of the the great things about uh, this this integration or this connection with IBM is is kind of twofold. So one is uh, we didn't talk about IBM's uh, uh, focus on Data Fabric and how we fit in there. Uh, but just safe to say that we we're in, we are we are a part of that data fabric uh, ecosystem and architecture, irregardless of the different technologies you have. And so the majority of our customers actually don't use don't use IBM products uh, for the most part uh, from the data band side. Uh, we're seeing a more traction in the in our customers that now we're bringing this solution to them. But a lot of times when we go mm -hmm. into our current customers, what we're doing is and what we're talking talk to them about is. What are the other things that are in your uh, your tech stack, your data stack, that may be used by different teams, right? And you know, not not, not every company out there is fully on, let's say, uh, one vendor solution anymore. That's not that's not what happens anymore. And so, what's great is that we have lots of different customers now that we're able to go to and talk about. Hey, are you using things that are part of your modern the modern data stack? Are you using things like Apache Airflow or Spark? Are you doing code driven uh, using code driven pipelines like like in in, uh, in Python or Java? Are you using DBT to do transformations? Can we help you monitor those? Are you using uh, things like Databricks for for um, uh, Lakehouse? We can monitor a lot of the processes and, and pipelines that you have within that current process just by adding us in. And so when we go to, to, to either a brand new customer or a current customer with IBM, our, our, our you know, value add is to make everything you're doing just more productive. We're not ripping anything out. We're not replacing anything. We're meeting engineers and platform teams where they are, and we're solving those issues that they keep coming to us that are around reliability and around, around quality and around impact analysis that they're not getting today. And, and you don't want to have, you know, I think Fivetran uh, came out recently of a report, a few, few uh, maybe it was this year or last year, but they basically said that almost half of your uh, data engineering time is spent maintaining and fixing pipelines. If you think about that, like mm. that's a lot of time. <laughs> like that's a lot of exactly. time spending maintaining and fixing pipelines, right? And that's without observability tied in, right? That's like, you don't even know what's going on. So that's what we do. We want to come in, detect earlier, resolve faster, and help you deliver trustworthy data that will also be a part of your data governance uh, model as well that can then be accessed and, and just and distributed. So that's a quick pitch. Um, but yeah, really, that's what we do.
Awesome. And where do you see data observability in the next two to three years? Kind of interested to learn more about that. Yeah, I think that there's going to be, well, definitely in the space, right? I mean, there's a lot of observability solutions that are out there. And so I think IBM was first to market in terms of acquiring a leading technology in the space, right? Lots of other right. tools are out there. Uh, I'm not afraid to mention them, you know, Big Eye, Monte Carlo, um, uh, Unravel Data is kind of getting into it. I know they've probably been on your pot, your, your show. Uh, I know they've probably been on your show multiple times, right? Um, all of these uh, companies are great companies. And I think that you're going to see some consolidation with that, whether it is uh, through, um, uh, you, know, comp- you know, companies like, uh, similar companies, similar to IBM, acquiring them to add to their observability stack. I mean, one of the other reasons why IBM acquired Databand was that we are really the only solution out there or, or company out there that can provide application observability with Instana, which is a recent purchase two years ago, data observability with Databand. And then with OpenScale, we do ML and AI model observability. And so you're going to see, I think, in the market, some consolidation, obviously, uh, with uh, you yep. know, some of these startups getting acquired, just like we did. Um, and then you're going to see kind of a fuller story around observability. I think the analysts are going to start talking about observability outside of traditionally, which, which has been APM and really getting into full scale, full stack observability across your landscape. And then that's really where you can have a full CIO, CTO conversation. That's not just, Hey, let's talk to the data team. Then we're going to talk to the engineering team. Then we're going to talk to, you know, the compliance team, whatever it is. You talk about observability on a full scale, then you're talking to the highest of high when it comes to this problem that needs to be resolved. Mm, I think uh, for sure, Ryan, this is great explanation in terms of, you know, where do we see the data observability in the next two to three years? And I really like your transparency about how it's going to move very quickly and what's going to happen next. So great analogy there. Thanks. Uh, Kip, what do yeah. you think? I, I do want to add to that, and, and uh, I, I, a few minutes ago mentioned or referenced the, um, the Gartner Magic Quadrant on Data Quality Solutions. So IBM was named a leader, and, and one of the things that they talked yep. about is, the, and if you look at the critical capabilities, is they mentioned that data quality solutions are going to transition from standalone applications into a set of integrated platforms. So, and I think Ryan touched mm. on that. And data quality solutions are now uh, going to be included. They're viewing uh, features such as data catalog, data observability, data prepar- and data preparation uh, as part of that integrated platform. So, yeah. basically, and I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> in a sense, re, uh, not being redundant, but underscoring what Ryan already mentioned, that coming together in terms of an integrated platform is going to be, I think, where the industry is headed and data governance and that observability being part of that integrated um, capability, all available, all delivered on a singular platform because there's a recognition that data quality, and you can see this even coming from leading analysts, data quality is now part and parcel, at least data observability is now part and parcel of the data quality aspect of data governance. So there's clearly a movement or for, for the, the two capabilities coming together and again, there's a complementary nature between the two. So, um, and, and again, the acquisition of Databand clearly is was, was part of the reason that uh, IBM moved in that direction, recognizing just the just the, the leading role that they have in, in this space. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, great insights, Ryan Cape. Uh, one question that we I see uh, in the audience is, are you guys coming up with any book, or uh, should I be plugging Ryan uh, the book that we are planning? <laughs> You could probably the book that we're planning. Uh, you know, we're we're into a book with uh, with Rabbit here uh, coming out in the new year. We've got some books on our our website as well. 
I mean, honestly, nice. I would tell everybody to go to um, uh, IBM, uh, IBM.com and go and download the uh, Magic Quadrant for Data Quality Solutions. That's right off the, or it's literally right off the press. Like yeah. we just, uh, I think it came out, was it la yesterday or today? Kid? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, just came out. So, yeah. I mean, and that's got a good, a good overview of kind of some of the stuff that me and Kip talked about. And, and, and they talk about observability in that. I think that's the first step and uh, having observability be more and more included specifically for data in these quality and reliability conversations and not just at the uh, governance level or even at the software testing level so uh or da data testing level so i definitely think that that'd be a great uh, great resource for everyone to do oh uh Aton just put it in there uh thanks thanks man yeah exactly <laughs> I was I was just finding the post. I got the post in. Yes, there it is. Uh, you guys can actually have a look at the quadrant in uh, All Sounds Good. One last question for you both, Ryan Cape. If folks want to, want to reach out to you, where can they uh, reach out, uh, learn more about data observability, data governance, and in general about data engineering as well? So, Cape, where can they reach out to you? Um, I, Kip, you're on TikTok, right? Aren't you on TikTok? <laughs> big TikTok guy. <laughs> I, I'm slowly working my way to TikTok. Uh, I think oh, wow. I'm not there yet, but uh, definitely I'm on I'm, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, and I think and I will also send out uh, contact details with uh, whatever follow up is going to be going out. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll provide that. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn okay. as well. I don't. I'm the only, that's the only thing I'm really on is LinkedIn. Uh, uh, so yeah, reach out to me on there, and happy to follow up or get you to the right person that can talk to more about it. Again, you know, we, we want to make this conversation more of like a starting point conversation around governance and observability and kind of see where it goes. Uh, and I think that we, uh, we, you know, at least wet some appetites here as we, uh, um, as we, as we close out. Yes, definitely. I think Ryan, that's a very important topic going forward in how you guys have actually contemplated it very well with data governance kind of makes it, uh, much more important because those were pretty great insights and I'm sure the audience uh, felt the same. But uh, thank you very much once again for joining the Ravid Show, Ryan Cape, and to our lovely audience for asking such amazing questions. Thanks again. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Take care. Right, awesome. Cheers.